Welcome to the Dipshit Files number 10. I am the Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And we have ourselves a fucking crazy show for you guys. Yes, we do. We have another female psycho. Yeah. And she ranks high as fuck on our dipshit meter list. <laughs> she does. And she only killed one person. Yeah. But yet she, on our meter, according to our scale, mm-hmm. is higher than Ed Kemper mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And we've met Liz Linda Hazard through here, and she killed hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And one person she killed, her name is Catherine Knight, mm-hmm. but she's up there right behind Joachim Kroll, Pedro Lopez, and mm-hmm. Albert Fish. Yes. So we're going to open up another dipshit file, and we've got a doozy for you this week. <laughs> So another exciting episode of the dipshit files. Yeah, this one was. Or sad or horrific. This one was. This one was really. Uh, it was. It was a rough research for me. Catherine Knight, and no, I know no one's really ever heard that name. Mm-hmm. You have to be pretty in the true crime world, right? To well, know this person. This this individual isn't from the U.S. Right. Um, that doesn't help. She's me. from Australia. Mm. Crocky. Uh, but you know Sorry. this this was a, a a tough one for me because although she only actually murdered one human. The way she did it was fucking incomprehensible. I don't know how else to put it. And the other thing that, that makes this weird is that she's responsible for the deaths of thousands of life forms. Yes. Earthlings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and well, we'll and, get to that. Yeah. And part of, part of uh, you'll see, part of her brood. It was her job. I mean, it wasn't, she, she was evil, so. Yeah. And we'll go into that. But this woman. She was evil. She was, she's technically considered a psychopath she is a female psychopath oh yeah and yeah so it's and spoiler alert cannibal yeah so you guys knew that coming in hooray she's gonna eat this person (laughs) so but i gotta tell you guys you know i think a lot of times in true crime we get kind of caught up in the amount of people Mm -hmm. that are killed by serial killers yeah but this one case was such a big deal in australia Mm -hmm. that it's still it's, infamous there. It's still infamous. But it, yeah. it, it went around the world one murder. Yeah. That's so rare for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be one of those. Yeah. See, and these stories aren't always about the sheer number. It's about, in my opinion, when I write these scripts, it's not just about the sheer number of murders. Right. Uh, it's about the intent behind it. And the, the story, too. This, and this, this is a crazy this, story. This is a crazy story. We're going to go she, through. She went through. She's such a. a you'll see cruel individual the story itself uh, just the depths of her depravity yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna give you the meter score yet Mm -mm. uh but we'll just say very high scores in brutality (laughs) cruelty and i mean just all of them really her criminal mind wasn't super high her depravity was super high obviously eating people is the top of depravity this woman was a piece of work so on today's show we're gonna go through her entire life Mm -hmm. she's got several dudes that she ruined their lives and i'm sure they were great too (laughs) i don't know anything about the story as always Mm -hmm. but we're going to go through her childhood and through her career as a animal slaughterer Mm -hmm. and what they call an abattoir abattoir Mm -hmm. i'd never heard that word until i didn't either either. i learned i learned some terrible things absolutely and that at the end of this we're going to show you why she is so fucking high Mm -hmm. on our dipshit meter and it's going to be crazy and then we'll do our conclusions yep so let's learn about her Catherine knight what a dipshit 
So today on The Dipshit Files, we meet the woman who committed a crime so barbaric, it shocked the world and brought the worst kind of fame to the small town of Aberdeen. Crocky dick slapper. Following years of brutal attacks, Catherine committed a murder that's almost incomprehensible. Translation, very icky. Catherine Mary Knight, born October 24th, 1955, is the first Australian woman to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. And how. She was convicted for the murder of her partner, John Charles Thomas Price, in February of 2000, and is currently imprisoned at the Silverwater Women's Correctional Center in New South Wales. Knight stabbed Price to death, skinned him, put his skin on a meat hook. She then cooked his head and parts of his body with the intention of feeding them to Price's children. Fucking Cartman. But she was stopped by the police. This is one of the most distressing and disturbing murders ever committed in Australia. In fact, it's notorious around the world, not just for its gruesome brutality, but because it was committed by a rare individual. A Sheila devil. A female psychopath. However, in an attempt to understand how Catherine Knight could commit such a terrible act, we need to understand where she came from. Mm -hmm. So let's dig in to this Dipshit Files. Dipshit Story Time. This story takes place in New South Wales at the Upper Hunter Valley in coal mining and cattle country. At the heart of the story is the abattoir Aberdeen Meatworks, the town's call to glory for more than a hundred years. An abattoir is similar to a slaughterhouse. A pure slaughterhouse will just do the dispatch of animals. Some of these places will process horses, for example, with no intent of entering any form of the food supply. An abattoir, however, does slaughter and meat processing. By the time an animal has gone through it, it has been reduced to carcasses, bones, offal, which is O-F-F-A-L, although it is awful, mm. blood, and skin. It's, it's funny because it sounds French, so mm -hmm. I imagine it is French. It sounds less horrible. Right. Right. Why. I'm and sure. The, I'm sure the root word in French is like murderous death of cow, <laughs> but it sounds like oh, uh -huh. right. Don't worry about the cow; it will be fine. And we're going to go through a little bit of an exp explanation, a little more in depth from an abattoir worker. Yeah. Uh, I deleted ninety percent of it because I, I had to read it, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I it's, might. I might be a vegetarian now. I don't. Right. Just, just saying. A lot of these things do that. So one of my my best friends, two of my best friends, mm -hmm. their brothers, they. Uh, ironic I guess or serendipity today synchronicity mm -hmm. I don't know some of those words I went to the the meat place mm -hmm. to get my my favorite uh, pepperoni sticks mm -hmm. I've been eating them since I was about seven years old mm -hmm. and I keep going back to this one place but he's like I look at these animals all day and if it wasn't for the fact that if I didn't work here for 30 years I would be a vegetarian mm. and I thought that was funny too mm -hmm. that's coming from a guy that's done meat stuff for 30 right. years right well we raise chickens and <clears throat> I have a hard time looking at a chicken nugget the same way I yeah because chickens are smart yeah. They are sweet mm -hmm. and they are cute. Yeah, they are. And I did not, when you're looking at a chicken sandwich, you're like, that's not sweet, smart, and cute. <laughs> that's fucking delicious. <laughs> but I think if we did the math together, it makes it. So anyway. So in the 1940s, Jack Rowan was the manager of the abattoir. He was married to Barbara and they had four sons. It was a huge scandal, though, when Barbara ran off with another abattoir worker, Ken Knight. Ken and Barbara had four more children, two boys and two girls, and among them was Catherine Mary Knight, born October 24th in 1955, at Tamworth Hospital just a half an hour after her twin sister, Joy. Okay, I can't help but do this with the Knight as a last name. Catherine Knight, a sadistic, psychotic bitch. She's a dipshit. Sorry. It is stated that back then, abattoir workers were hard people. 
quote-unquote hard people. They were nomadic, and the children often grew up in abusive families. Catherine and Joy were toddlers when their mother's first husband died, leaving Barbara to raise eight children on her own. Oh, thank you. Catherine changed schools a lot throughout her educational years, and she was very close to her sister Joy, but she didn't have a lot of close friends. Catherine was known to be an insecure child and didn't make friends easily. She had a terrible temper, hmm. but she was also extremely shy. Hmm. Catherine, craved, combo. Catherine craved her mother's love and affection, even though she claims Barbara frequently beat her. Humans are great. Ken Knight was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation and would rape his wife, Barbara, up huh. to 10 times a day. Jeez. However, according to family members, Catherine's mother, Barbara, wasn't meek nor mild-mannered and fought back just as hard. Barbara, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details about her sex life and how much she hated sex and men. Catherine grew up watching her father brutally rape her mother on a regular basis. It was never hidden, and Knight claims that she was frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though never by her father, which continued until she was at about the age of 11. Although there are doubts about the details, psychiatrists accept her claims and the events have been largely confirmed by other members of the family. Later, when Catherine Knight complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sex act she didn't want to perform, Barbara told her daughter to put up with it and stop complaining. Jesus. By the age of three or four, something would have already hardened within Catherine. Yeah, fuck. She knew no one was going to come rescue her, so she had to learn to either fight or hide. At three or four? Mm Mm-hmm. What the fuck, dude? Obviously, very young children can't fight back. So when they're under severe threat, some will do what they call dissociate. Right. This is more or less like circuit tripping. Catherine was overwhelmed and she mentally disconnected. But while she was in that state, she was missing out on developing a range of emotions that make us human, like, uh, you know, love, happiness, joy, empathy. Mm-hmm. So she's just been traumatized terribly before terribly. she's even old enough to right. fucking draw oh. a picture that makes sense. Oh, it gets worse. Yeah. yeah. Catherine grew up with a deep seated fear of sexual assault, you know, understandably, yeah. and was forever claiming that men had abused her. At school, she was known for her sudden and violent temper. A former classmate recalls Catherine turning on her sister, Joy. It was an argument about whose turn it was to ride the bicycle home. Now, most sisters in this situation, they might pull pull hair hair. if they're going to pinch or slap each other, maybe scream or cry or whatever. However, these two girls beat the crap out of each other with their fists. A couple of apples. In the dirt. From fucked up trees. At 15, Catherine left Musselwell Brook High School and she could barely read or write. To her, her she was own, busy whooping ass. Her only aspiration in life was to work at the abattoir. Hmm. She wanted to follow the life of her brothers and her father, you know, her grandparents, her mother, everyone she knew and respected had worked at the abattoir. I get that. Family at, business stuff, you end up just doing just what you know. following along. Yeah. At 16, she landed her dream job. <laughs> she began in the awful room and later became a boner. 14-year-old boy brain engage. For clarity, <laughs> right? Right? I know. Well, the French word throws you <laughs> off, though. Because uh, they start giving you some shit. The awful room. Make sure you go into the boner room next. This is a good place to work. For clarity about awful. Okay, the definition is the waste or byproduct of a process, such as trimmings, the belly, head, and shoulders when it comes to slaughtering, uh, or the hide, or the byproducts of milling, such as wheat or barley, used especially for stock feeds. Okay, so this is a slaughterhouse. So at slaughter... 
carcasses were eviscerated, and the internal organs are divided into green and red offal. Green offal includes stomach, intestines, and additional parts of the digestive tract, while red offal includes heart, kidneys, lungs, and liver. And now, it all just gets made into hot dogs. Now, I know this sounds awful, uh, <laughs> but let's get to know a bit about an abattoir so we know where Catherine comes from. Okay. Now, this is an excerpt, a, a tiny, because I got rid of most of it. I know you did. A tiny excerpt from a modern day abattoir worker in 2017. Now, this is a, a solid quote. Just like a hospital has a distinctive smell, slaughterhouses and abattoirs smell like warm blood. There's iron in the air all the time. Even over the bleach, you can still smell it. You hear stories of people throwing up on their first day or freaking out and leaving right away. But most know what they're getting into. These are rough jobs. So while they're all good, honest guys who work in slaughterhouses, they kill things for a living. You have to have a bit of a different mindset to do this job. I bet. I grew up in the Lake District of Northwest England. So I was hunting my whole life, and I was used to having my own farm, and I'd butcher my own animals. It was an early start, 4.30 a.m. and an early finish, 2 p.m., and that suits me. All right, I'm opposite that guy. There are always two parts inside a slaughterhouse, a clean side and a dirty side. Animals have to go through the dirty side first before they can go where they're going to be prepared for human consumption. The dirty side is where all the internals, hair, and skin is removed. Yikes. I couldn't put the rest in because I didn't want to damage our, our listeners. Right. Or me. So it kind of gives you an idea. Huh. Aberdeen Meatworks workers would kill and bone 600 animals a day on average. Fuck. Yes. Well, people eating. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, of, a lot yes. of eating people. Catherine was in her element. Control. The best part about the job. Control. Was that she was given her own set of knives. This mm. is what she thought. Blades that soon became her most prized possession. There was something disturbing about the way Catherine loved to work, though. Because she's a psycho. Other workers spoke of her... Being a psycho. ...nicking arteries just to watch the animals bleed. Jeez. Uh, they found her before the animals got the bolt. To the head, yeah. Which I removed, but right. how they actually killed the animals. Mm-hmm. She, They were finding her in the pens with the animals, nicking those arteries. Evil. Before they were even dead. Gross. So she could listen to them scream. Uh, okay. Yeah, so she scared her co-workers. Yeah, she took sort of a malevolent pleasure in death. Catherine Knight, a total psycho bitch who took malevolent pleasure in death. Sorry about that. Catherine's pathological profile means she would also have had many fantasies about killing people. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that works. Well, we all do. But when you add it to the fact that you're right. putting knife to, to vein. Fortunately. The and the psycho thing. For those around her, her bloodlust was partially satisfied at the abattoir. But psycho got a psycho. The abattoir was her killing field. And Catherine got a twisted thrill from the screaming and the blood of the animals that were being put to death. Well, fuck her. She would also have loved the fear she instilled in others who watched her and saw that nothing could faze her. Well, that's not the sign of a simple mind. She would often take parts of the animals home with her unbeknownst to her co-workers or her manager. Crocky Kathy, won't you go up there? I have just a pig skull and a cow dick. Well then, Chippy, have a good day. I'm sorry about my accent. When she wasn't at work, Catherine was spending time with the new man in town, Dave Kellett, also known by the nickname Shorty. Dumb. Knight first met co-worker Dave Stanford Kellett in 1973. Which day ever? Kellett engaged in heavy drinking, which stemmed from two traumatic incidents from his previous railway job in Coffs Harbor. First, 
when his best friend was killed in front of him in a shunting accident. 14-year-old boy brain engaged. A shunting accident really sounds like something happened to his dick. And later, when he rescued injured occupants from a school bus in Kempsey, which had been struck by a train, killing six children. Mm. He eventually lost the job due to deteriorating behavior and performance, but he soon got to work at the nearby Aberdeen Abattoir and became close friends with Knight's brother. Often, if Kellogg got into a fight, Knight would step in and back him up with her fists. She'd give a punchy right in a kangaroo's face. In Aberdeen, she was well known for physically threatening anyone who upset her. Okay, that's normal. Catherine stood about a head taller than Dave, and it is believed that he was Catherine's first sexual partner. Once they dove into a relationship, they lost themselves, and it wasn't long before Dave woke up one morning realizing that he was going to be married. Knight married Kellett in 1974 at her request, with the couple arriving at the service on her motorcycle with a very intoxicated Kellett at the altar. (laughs) As, As soon as they arrived, Knight's mother, Barbara, gave Kellett some advice. Get this. This is a quote from Dave. The old girl, meaning Knight's mother, said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Mm, I see. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Sounds good. Don't ever think of cheating on her. She'll fucking kill you. (laughs) And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She said her daughter's got a screw loose somewhere. What color flag would you say that is? On the wedding day. And she, on the wedding day. And she was right. That's a... You don't listen to those things at your own peril. So the violence was announced on the wedding night when David woke up with Catherine attempting to choke him. On the night of the wedding? She was furious that they hadn't had sex five times. Because Catherine had been told that her parents had sex five times on their wedding night, and she assumed that that was normal. I'll just go ahead and speak for all the dudes uh, listening. Uh, It's not. Evidently, so was her violent response. Uh, Right, yeah, yeah. choking out a guy. So David had fallen asleep after two rounds, and she tried to fucking kill him. Dude. I know. Babe, what's the problem? You're supposed to fuck me more. Babe, but I just have a normal dick. It's just a normal dick. Time to die. The first time he took 18-year-old Catherine home to meet the family... They were a bit surprised. Another flag. They thought the pair was a bit mismatched physically as she was so tall, but they appeared to be in love and the family just settled in with the idea that opposites attract and wish them the best. Ignore the psycho shit. David's sister Sandy moved in with a couple in Aberdeen for a few months and the two women became close. Catherine was still working at the abattoir and Sandy thought she was a very sweet woman. Wrong. The two got along... Slitting fucking necks and shit. Right. Well, the two got along very well most of the time. Usually wrong. Catherine was married to David, although Sandy did state there was always something about Catherine's... Psychotic disposition. ...family that seemed unsettling. She sensed a strangeness about them, something a bit... Psycho. ...rough around the edges is what she called it. Mm. The most concerning thing about Catherine was her rapid mood changes. So far. She could be extremely happy walking around the house, humming and singing, and the next minute she would just fly into a rage. When Catherine was angry, it was stated that she got this strength about her. She became so strong that she could have picked David up and thrown (laughs) him across the room. Catherine angry. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine had already begun... Somebody needs a Snickers, huh? Don't condescend to Catherine, cock. Catherine had already begun threatening people with her treasured knives, which were never far from her reach. David told his family to just avoid her when she's mad because if she picked up a knife, it was too late to get out of her way. What? 
Yeah. That's her husband. Mm-hmm. He's, He's having regrets. regrets. By her 20th birthday, Catherine was pregnant and highly suspicious of her husband, Psycho. who had found himself with a new girlfriend. One that only tried to stab him sometimes. David wasn't a very loyal husband and admitted later that he had pretty poor morals for that period of his life. Mm. He was young, and it's suspected that he wasn't always comfortable at home anyways. Yeah. He was also shit at judging character right. for somebody to marry. <laughs> Catherine and David's child, Melissa, was born on the 11th of May, 1976. And that child did not win the parent lottery that day. Six weeks later, Catherine attempted to stab her husband with a broken beer bottle. Not the winner. Yay. Yay. Sick of his wife's psychotic behavior, David ran away to Queensland with his new girlfriend, having no idea idea of the links his wife would go to punish him for leaving. Oh boy. I'm gonna get you for not loving me the way I deserve. In July 1976, 20-year-old Catherine Knight was furious that her husband of two years had recently abandoned her, leaving Catherine with their two-month-old baby. Murderously furious. Catherine was obsessively jealous, and knowing David had run off with another woman sent her right over the edge. That sounds like Kathy. Catherine was seen walking down Main Street of Aberdeen, swinging the baby buggy violently from one side of the sidewalk to the other. What? She was still in her pajamas. Her hair was a mess. She was screaming and crying. She was a mad woman, and it looked like she, at one point, she was going to push the buggy into oncoming traffic. And the baby was in the buggy? Yeah. What the fuck, bro? The police were called, and Catherine was admitted to St. Elmo's Psychiatric Hospital in Tamworth. She was treated with antidepressants and sent home after a couple weeks, but there was still no sign of David, and her rage hadn't subsided. Hmm. Catherine's mental health was continuing to deteriorate. One day, totally unaware she was being watched by Lorna Driscoll, the owner of the corner store, Catherine placed 12-week-old Melissa on the railroad tracks and walked away. What the fuck? Yeah. The southbound train was due to arrive at any minute. Ted Abram, a man named Ted Abram, rescued the baby from the tracks just before the train arrived. It was a harrowing moment in his life. He would state later. Southbound train, baby on the tracks. Ted Abram looking up, hey, what's that? It's a baby. Always a baby on the tracks, yeah. Kathy ain't coming back. It was a heroin moment in his life. (laughs) Meanwhile, Catherine left and ran to a house just up the road, entering the backyard. She then grabbed an axe and began swinging it around over her head, running into town, threatening people, all the people she saw, threatening their lives. Catherine was taken back to the same psychiatric ward at St. Elmo's Hospital, but checked herself out the next day. (laughs) I'm fine. Less than 24 hours after that, she snapped again. Uh She went to a neighbor's house and knocked on the door, telling them that her baby was sick and she needed a ride to the hospital. I'm sure this will go smoothly. The neighbor family agreed to help her and Catherine went home. The woman and her children quickly drove to Catherine's house and found her extremely agitated. One of the daughters went in the house with Catherine to help get Melissa out of the crib and grab her diaper bag. Mm -hmm. But instead of grabbing the baby and rushing out the door, Catherine produced a knife and began chasing the teenage girl out of the house. Holy help. Outside, Catherine got a hold of the girl and slashed her face. Whoa. Then she took the whole family hostage and said she wanted them to drive her to David Kellett's mother's house. Oh, God. Her plan was to kill David's mother. Well... 
She knew a surefire way to get a man's attention was to go after his mom. This person needs to learn how to break up better. The woman escaped Good. after they stopped at a gas station. But by the time the police arrived, Knight had taken the young boy hostage Shit. and was threatening him with a knife. No. She was disarmed when the police attacked her with brooms. What? I thought that was kind of funny. How do you want us to handle this, Sergeant? This is going to take a specific tool to solve this problem. Tear gas? No. Rubber bullets? No. Batons? Bring me all the broomsticks in the police station. <gasps> and was admitted to Morrison at psychiatric hospital again. Hey, Judy, nice to see you again. Knight told the nurses she intended to kill the mechanic at the service station hmm? because he repaired Kellett's car, okay. <laughs> which had allowed him to leave. Oh, and boy. then her plan was to kill both her husband and his mother when she arrived in in Queensland. She's stopping by all the restaurants. Did you feed this man coffee? I'll kill you. Again, she wasn't charged. Hmm. Again, she was shipped off to a mental institution. And then she checked herself out again because the soup was bad. Catherine uses violence and fear to intimidate people into doing exactly what she wants. She's seen it done in her own family, and she's carrying on the tradition. But while Catherine's rage is at times spontaneous, at other times, she's coldly calculating. Catherine enjoys seeing people terrified of her unpredictability, and she's amused by their fear. Mm. Yeah. Psycho. In Queensland, things weren't working out for David and his now pregnant girlfriend. When David heard what had happened with Catherine back in Aberdeen, he called his mother and they decided to go back and take her from the psychiatric institution. Knight was released on August 9th, 1976 into the care of her mother-in-law, Florence. Good luck. The following day, David drove his wife and mother to Aberdeen to pick up baby Melissa. This was only the second time Florence had ever seen Catherine's mother, Barbara. Also psycho. Catherine's mother came out of the house. Psychotically. Walked up to the car where she proceeded to reach through the window like normal folk do and strangle david whoa david's mother was screaming and david could do nothing but grip the steering wheel Die, fucker. david's mother was deeply shaken oh as she had never seen people behave like this in her life wow then catherine came out of the house saw what her mother was doing and started punching her in the face nice. knocking her to the ground here we have a screaming mother-in-law <laughs> right. a choking father mm. another mom kicked out in the dirt on the road mm. and Catherine standing there with bloody knuckles. Yeehaw! This is the epitome of dysfunction. And Jerry Springer's like, you know what? I got an idea for a show. This is the catharsis of the Jerry oh, Springer show. So a few weeks later, Catherine and David relocated to Woodridge in Queensland to make a fresh start. We could work it out. David got a job as a truck driver and Catherine began work as an abattoir near Brisbane. Brisbane. In October 1976, David organized a surprise 21st birthday party for his wife. It's hard to shop for a psycho. Now, she was thrilled because she felt like a princess. Everyone was there for her. Mm-hmm. All eyes were on her. Right. For a night that night, she was extremely well-behaved, and it was surprising to mm. everyone involved. It was at this time in Queensland that Catherine's love of her work knives became obsessive. She started taking them everywhere she went. She even hung them above the bed while she slept. Sleep tight, my love. To quote Catherine, they're there in case I need them. Okay. David's mother said those knives were her pride and joy, and I think she loved those knives as much as she loved David. David's certainly not as sharp as those knives. While living with them at Woodbridge, David's sister Sandy witnessed one vicious incident she said she would never forget. On one occasion, she heard one of the children screaming loudly in the bathroom. Ah, fuck. Sandy went to see what the hell was going on in the bathroom, and Catherine had the hot water full blast and was holding her daughter under it. Holy 
furious, she told David that Catherine was abusing the kids, yeah. and David pleaded with Sandy to not tell anyone. What? He made her promise not to say anything because he feared <clears throat> that she would kill Sandy in her sleep, and she would most likely kill the, him and the kids as well. Oh. He was so afraid. Tough to blame him. In, by 1979, the couple's marriage was in real trouble. You think? Yeah. You think? It was in real trouble when right. the mom was like, hey, you're, she's probably going to try and kill you. Right. You're really dumb. David found... That was years ago, right? At this point? Yeah. David found Catherine in bed with another man. Good. Keep her. She begged him for one more chance. They moved to Landsborough what? and Catherine convinced her husband to have another baby. He should have been like, right? have her. Right. Here's, here's the keys to the thing. I'm out. Yeah. What the hell? It was at this point that Catherine's moods became even more unpredictable. And she was becoming increasingly violent. Oh, but that booty. By then, David was quite scared of being married to her. He sound, He doesn't sound like he's much of a treat. Either. Well, he had he had every reason to be scared. Right, but he doesn't sound like a treat. Either. No, but he never knew what was going to set Catherine off and just how brutal she was going to get. Right. The next attack would come when he was least expecting it and would almost kill him. Hmm. In 1979... Catherine was pregnant with her second child. I have an idea. Let's breed with the psycho. Come get some. Her six-year marriage to David was not going well. <laughs> he spent every day in fear for his life, scared of Catherine, and never knowing when she would attack him. <laughs> one night, he was late coming home. like living with the bear. I know. <laughs> uh, one night, he was late coming home from the bar because he'd made the finals of a dart competition. Catherine hated men being late. And she really hated darts. I hate that. But David pushed his fear to the back of his mind as he needed a break from his wife. Mm. And it's not known whether he lost or won, but he needed some downtime from her. You know, I'm not... The space away from her was the victory. Yeah. But I still wish we knew the score. It isn't known whether he actually won the competition, but he certainly lost when he got home. Uh Uh-oh. He walked through the door, and she caved in the back of his skull with a skillet. Whoa. She split his head and fractured his skull. Fuck me, he managed to stagger to a neighbor's place before collapsing on their porch. Yeah. David spent the next week in the hospital. God. Once healed enough to be released, he went back home and discovered what Catherine had been doing when he'd been playing darts that night. Totally sane things. She had grabbed all of his stuff, mm-hmm. put it all in the bathtub, right. and burned everything he owned. Totally sane. His shoes, belts, socks, everything. He only had the clothes he was wearing. She's thorough. The police wanted to press very serious charges against her, but she once again turned on the charm. She was back to her sweet self, pleading with him not to do it for the sake of the kids. Fuck them chitrons. And he didn't press charges despite the fact that she had nearly killed him. She caved his head in. Yep. It's not like, oh, strike one. <clears throat> What's next for strike two? In March of 1980, 24-year-old Catherine Knight gave birth to Natasha Collette. Poor thing. Around this time, David was driving furniture trucks, which involved being away from home a lot. This led to even more anxiety and more madness. One night, he woke up with her threatening to stab him. She said, I know you truck drivers have women in every town. You've got one, haven't you? You've got one. Well, of course he denied it. I mean, with a psychotic wife like this, he probably did, but he denied it. Right. This eventually put so much strain on the relationship that one day he came home and she had just packed up and left. He came home to a completely empty house. and He's she like, Thank God, She that. had gone to, first to her parents' house in Aberdeen, then to a rented house near, uh, nearby Mus- Muswellbrook. 
I'm not sure how to pronounce that word. It's pronounced crocky. But although she returned to work at the abattoir, she eventually injured her back the following year and went on a disability pension. And since she no longer needed to rent accommodations close to her work, the government gave her a housing commission residence in Aberdeen. So she's back in Aberdeen. Glad to have her. Hello. They're all glad to have her. It might look like Catherine had a terrible fear of abandonment, that she lashes out when she's scared that David will leave her. However, she's actually just a psycho. Catherine's anger is actually triggered when someone doesn't do exactly what she wants. Mm. She's not hopelessly in love with David and unable to live without him. I feel like everybody listening to this is like, I know a person yeah. exactly like that. She's already cheated on him once, and when it suited her, she left him. So this isn't an abandonment thing. This is a control thing. Gross. When Catherine got back to Aberdeen with the two kids, she wasn't alone very long. Uh-oh. Catherine Knight, a lone psycho who cracked a guy's head open with a frying pan. She hooked up with a local man named Dave Saunders, and he fit the mold of the kind of man that Catherine liked. A man with terrible luck. He was hardworking, mm. hard drinking, mm. hard talking mm. sort of man. All right. Saunders was a former race car driver who was working in the coal mines. So a pansy ass. A few months later, he and his dingo puppy moved in with her and her daughters, although he kept his old apartment in Scone. A dingo is my puppy. Saunders stated that the honeymoon period only lasted a couple months. Psycho gonna psycho. Knight soon became jealous regarding what he did when he was not around and would often throw him out. He would move back to his apartment where she would inevitably follow and beg him to return. Yikes. One night, he came home from work and opened the door to the house to be met by Catherine who is in the middle of ironing. And this next part is going to be totally reasonable, I'm sure. She didn't put the iron down to meet him with a hug and a kiss. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. She swung that bitch and mashed him in the face with the hot iron. <laughs> Apparently, you could see the steam hole marks on the side of his face weeks mm. later. Oof. But she wasn't finished. She had him by the arm, swinging him around the front room of the house, what? attempting to beat him in the head with the iron, and then stabbing him in the abdomen with a pair of scissors. Jesus, fuck. The only reason she was doing this was because he was arriving a little late home. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Try to be on time next time. Yeah, sorry. Wow. Yeah. So why did Dave Saunders stay with Catherine Knight? Dumb. Why did Dave Kellett stay with Catherine Knight? Dumb. These questions were asked, and they both answered the same. Apparently, They're dumb. the sex was good. What? Yeah. Our dicks, guys. Come what on. What the fuck? Our dicks. Things, Not our allies, friends. Ugh, things had gotten worse with Saunders. One particularly ugly fight in May of 1987 when he tried to leave her. The fight ended when Catherine ran outside. Saunders followed and saw that she was looked as if she was nursing his dingo puppy. Oh, I don't like where this is going. But no. then he realized she was holding a knife God damn it. and had slit no. his dog's Fuck. throat oh. for no more reason than as an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. A psycho Sheila bitch killed my baby dingo. Before going to knock him unconscious oh. with a frying pan. Fuck. Yeah. Lovely woman. She was that angry at him for attempting to leave her that she had killed his dog and beat him in the head with the pan. It's the second time she's panned a guy. After killing the puppy, she turned up at her sister Joy's place with a shotgun saying she killed Dave Sanders. I would have preferred that over the puppy. I'm just saying. Catherine has two reasons for telling her sister Joy that she killed Dave. Okay, these are... One, she's psycho. Psychologically speaking. Two, she's psycho. The first is for the shock and distress this will create. She finds it entertaining. Psycho. The second reason is because she's actually planning his death. Psycho. She's rehearsing the method of murder in her mind, and she's experiencing people's reactions to the news without having to go through it. 
After she killed the dog, <clears throat> Saunders tries to leave Catherine a few more times. Dumb. He hasn't left yet. Dumb. Yikes. He moves in with some friends, but she would never let him go. She was very persistent. Society does prefer a lazy psycho. In June of 1988, Catherine and Saunders had a baby girl. What the fuck, bro? Right? Saunders bought a small house when their baby was six months old, and they moved in together. <laughs> Knight decorated the house throughout with animal skins, mm. skulls, mm, okay. horns, oh, rusty animal traps, mm, leather jackets, mm, nice. old boots, ah. machetes, mm. rakes, pitchforks. <laughs> no space, including the ceilings, was left uncovered. All I saw proof. a picture of this shit. Family living. I swear. It looked like a... Happy place? It looked like a, a used farm equipment store. Oh, wow. It was insane. Baby was super <laughs> safe in there. But things hadn't improved, and Saunders kept trying to escape. <laughs> I bet. Shit. He, he took a leave of absence from the mine and told them that he was going to go visit a friend in another town. Bye. But he wasn't going to another town. Bye. And he wasn't coming back either. Bye. As far as he was concerned, he had disappeared. He actually moved to Newcastle, and he hid there. Good for him. He got another job and started a new life in hiding. Godspeed, Cat. Catherine was furious that Saunders had managed to get away. <laughs> so she told their two-year-old daughter that her father was dead. Wow. All the while searching for Saunders. Thanks. Poor kid. Although she tried to find him, no one admitted to knowing his whereabouts. You gotta hide, can't hide. Several months later, Saunders returned to see his daughter and found out that Knight had gone to the police and lied and unjustly told them that she was afraid of him. Mm. They issued her what they call in Australia an apprehended violence order, an AVO, which is like our restraining orders. Mm -hmm. that, okay. would, that would just piss me off. That would, that's just extra salt in the wound. It was during her search that she stumbled upon her next prey. Catherine Knight, a lone psycho. She's cracked two guys' heads open with a frying pan and slit a dog's throat. All right, sorry, so there's a new guy. 43-year-old former abattoir co-worker John Chillingsworth. Chillingsworth, I like that. Well, did you have a good time at the beach? Well, I definitely got my Chillingsworth. This relationship followed her usual pattern. She would lure him in with sex and false sense of security. I.e. not going crazy for a bit. Not long after they got together, she was pregnant yeah. and gave birth the following year in March of 1991 to a boy named Eric. Sorry, kid. Pretty soon after that, the relationship turned violent. Big surprise. <laughs> At one point, she hit him in the face and broke his glasses. Take that glasses. There are a lot of allegations that he hit her as well. Mm. Just three years after they met, their relationship came to a violent end. There seems to be a pattern for me. She left him with the kids, and he felt the abandonment this time. But you have the kids. He tried to follow her around and bring her back. No dummy. But she'd already found a new victim. Yeah. And that man's name was John Price. Catherine Knight, a lone psycho who hates children, puppies, and men, is jealous and has a very bad temper, but she will fuck your brains out. Unfortunately for John Price, no one could have foreseen the acts of untold horror. That were awaiting him. Mm. So really, Chillingworth kind of got away without having because the other two guys got panned. Yeah, well, and I, a dog killed, right? And smashed with an iron. Yeah, but he wasn't with her for very long. Um, he, not, not long enough to get panned like the others. Right, just to have his glasses broken into his eyeballs. Right. Catherine now had four children with three former partners. Rad. All of her exes claimed she used to beat the crap out of him. Not surprised. In October of 1993, she met John Price. Poor guy. Both were 38 years old. Price had an ex-wife and three kids that he absolutely adored. John Charles Thomas Price, born April 4th, 1955, was reportedly a, quote, terrific bloke. As far as blokes go, this guy was fucking terrific. Liked by everyone who knew him. Mm -hmm. His own marriage had ended in 1988. 
While his two-year-old daughter had remained with his former wife, the two older children lived with him. He was the one for Catherine, and she had no intention of letting him get away. Price was another man who had left school early, loved to drink, drove big trucks, and worked at the mine. He was just your typical rough-around-the-edges kind of man. Part of the backbone of this economy. He was kind and old-fashioned when it came to social situations. He would shake your hand. He'd help his neighbors. All four of her partners were very similar types of people, and there was rarely a night in their lives that they were sober, at least when they were with Catherine. And that's not surprising at all. Yeah, booze makes the potential stabbings easier to tolerate. Price was well aware of Knight's violent reputation when she moved into his house in 1995. His children liked her, though, and he was making a lot of money at the local mines. And apart from violent arguments, at first, life was a bunch of roses, he said. Mm, I doubt that. They got along quite well, and they could sit down and have conversations and have meals, and there was never much arguing. Just wait. Price's daughters actually liked Catherine in the beginning, even though they knew she had some negative traits. <laughs> oh, if they only knew how bad she actually was. Fuck. They stated their father had some less than appealing habits. He sometimes drank too much and he smoked. But Catherine's bad points were just downright strange. Psycho. One daughter recalled riding with Catherine in her car when she swerved to hit a dog as he ran across the road. Dick move, bro. When the daughter asked why she did that, Catherine says, I don't like dogs. Oh, I hope this lady gets her face ripped off by a wolverine. The relationship followed the usual pattern, though. This time, however, she didn't get pregnant. She was a bit older. That's a positive. But there was violence. Mm. She beat him. Perhaps he beat her. It's unclear. She says that he did, though. Uh, his children say that there were scars all over his body from where she'd stabbed him and hit him. Hmm. Price's nickname for Catherine was the Speckled Hen <laughs> because of her vicious nature. Catherine Knight, a lone speckled hen. After about 18 months, the Speckled Hen was pushing for a lifelong commitment, though, and Price told her that he was only in it for the sex, and she ought to get used to that. That should go over good. She wanted him to marry her, and he absolutely refused. Uh-oh. Yep. When Price wouldn't do what she wanted him to do, she tried to hurt his children. Mm. When Price's daughter Rebecca was 13, she had just got home from school, and Catherine set her down for a serious conversation. Oh, fuck. She wanted to tell her that Price wasn't her real father. How cruel. That her mother had slept with some guy, and Price wasn't her father. Although they weren't officially living together, Catherine treated Price's place like it was her own. Price told friends he wanted her out of his house. But in Catherine's mind, the house was rightly hers. Oh, of course it is. When she found John Price's will and discovered that he'd left everything to his ex-wife and his kids in case of death. And she remained very calm about she it. She demanded that he pay her $10,000 oh, for her to leave. That's not very calm. Yeah. When Price refused to give her anything, Ooh. she then turned around with a video camera and videotaped items that he had allegedly stolen from work oh, shit. and sent the tape to his boss. Oh, Although the items were expired medical kits that he had actually scavenged from the company's like trash dump, mm -hmm. Price was still fired from the job right. that he had held for 17 years. That same day, he kicked her out, and she returned to her own home while news of what she had done spread throughout town. Price was now 43 and unemployed. Fucking Catherine. Catherine told her daughter, Natasha, that if Price took her back, this time it would be until the death. To the pain. However, 
Little did Price know the death would come sooner rather than later. Fuck. Catherine Knight was furious when she videoed the first aid kits her partner had stolen from work. No one could believe Price would take Catherine back after a stunt like that, but he did. Although he now refused to allow her to move in with him. Still dumb. The fighting became even more frequent, and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while he remained with her. Hmm. With two... Yeah, with two younger children now at school, Catherine was spending more time alone at home, watching disturbing horror movies, and enjoying the death that surrounded her. One of her favorite places was a lounge room in her home. It was full of skulls and skins and horns, and she had machetes from an old farm equipment hanging from the ceiling. Some people collect stamps and trains. Other people collect rusty murder implements. There were animal heads and knives on the walls. Cozy. Just, I want to say warm. It sounds pretty crazy. It does seem a little bit odd. Yeah. Catherine's been obsessed with death since she was young, as young as the age of four or five. That didn't help this shit. She keeps the trophies of dead animals around her, partly because she finds death attractive, the way some of us would view art, but she also loves the ways that these corpses creep others out so it's like a control thing Mm -hmm. she likes the shock value of it a lot of us are that way they make people more scared of her the knives help Catherine also watches sadistic movies as they enrich her violent fantasy life so she watched crazy uh like the gorier the better she's looking for ideas yep And it was late 1999, and 44-year-old Catherine was desperately trying to hold on to her man, and he was desperately trying to get the fuck away from her. Poor bastard. It was at this time that it seemed like he knew something bad was going to happen. And he was right. The last few days of Price's life were building to an ugly climax. On the Sunday before he died, the couple had a massive fight, which resulted in a visit from the police. But all they did was shoot the dog. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. On Monday, Price went to work, and for the first time, he showed two colleagues where Catherine had previously stabbed him. Goddamn. He went back to work on Tuesday and told his boss that he was going to go to the courthouse and the police station to see what they could do to keep this, quote, crazy bitch away from him. She gave me body a stabbing. But the news wasn't good. Imagine being the friend at the office or whatever mm-hmm. and you you know that they're not getting along good they're talking he's your friend is talking mm-hmm. to you about divorce and stuff and then he, all of a sudden they pull out oh she stabbed me here right and then also here yep what would you do in that situation if you're that friend good god like, i don't know dude i think it's Get already too far away. yeah like i have a couch mm-hmm. but i wouldn't want anything to do with that person right but i have no idea what the advice would be to give to a friend other than what the fuck dude it's right. way past time to you've, leave you've allowed this like, to these go are on felonies this person hates you they're not your friend and <laughs> right. sex isn't that good in any situation on you the earth to go risk your somewhere life for. else get fucked go uh, all right. females have the parts required <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them oh, goddamn i gotta listen here i met at mrs script keep that person's freakiness is ratioed to that craziness it's all part of the fibonacci sequence price was told he'd have to wait three weeks to go to court. He said that he thought he'd probably be dead by then, but had no idea that he was already halfway through the last day of his life. Mm. His co-workers pleaded with him not to stay at the house that night. Oh, man. He stated that he was afraid Knight would kill his children if he did not. Oh, man. Price arrived home to find that Knight, although not there herself, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. That's better than it could have been. He then spent the evening with his neighbors before returning home and going to bed around 11 p.m. 
Earlier that day, Knight had bought a new black lingerie and had videotaped all of her children while making comments which have since been interpreted as a crude will of sorts. Oh, I'm sure that was totally sane. She later arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping and sat watching television for a few minutes before having a shower. If I was that dude, I'd be wearing chain mail from head to toe. She then woke Price up. They had sex, after which he fell back to sleep. I would have worn the chain mail during the sex. Price's co-workers were immediately worried when he didn't show up to work the next mm. day. John Price was the kind of person who was always the first to arrive at work. Concerns were raised very early by his co-workers when they tried to call him at home, but the phone just kept ringing and ringing. Well, they knew the night before. They are right. like, don't go home. Yeah. This is why. Even though Price tried for days to gain assistance from the authorities, nobody took him seriously, and they should have. Well, certainly. At 6 a.m. the next day, the neighbor became worried that Price's car was still in the driveway, and when he did not arrive at work, his employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. Both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him, but they alerted the police after noticing blood on the front door. Mm. Police arrived at 8 a.m. A crowd of concerned locals gathered outside of 84th and Andrews Street, and when the police forced their way into the house, they found Catherine Knight half asleep on the bed. Mm. She had swallowed a number of pills and was out of it. Well, damage that. The police roused her enough to detain her, and it was stated that when Catherine walked out of the house with the police... She was smiling. Hmm. When Detective Sergeant Bob Wells arrived at the scene, Catherine Knight was being taken away in an ambulance. He had initially spoke with the officer on duty at the time and was briefed on what was witnessed inside the premises. Once he had entered the home, he stated what he saw was truly the most horrific scene he had ever witnessed. Hmm. Now, this is a seasoned detective. Mm -hmm. His quote, it was a shock to everybody that had anything to do with that particular crime scene. I just couldn't believe that one human being, either male or female, of our species could carry out such a calculated offense. End quote. Well, fuck. She had stabbed Price with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. Mm, coward. According to the blood evidence, he awoke and tried to turn on the light before attempting to escape while Knight chased him through the house. He managed to open the front door and get outside. But he either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. A terrible way to die. Price's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times Fuck. in both the front and back of his body, with many of the wounds extending into his vital organs. Several hours after Price had died, Knight skinned him Fuck me, and hung the skin from a meat hook on a door jam to the lounge room. She then decapitated Price and cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat with baked potato, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes beside each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. She was going to feed their father to them. She was preparing to serve his body parts to his children. Fuck. A plate of price and veggies was also found out back, scattered across the lawn, and it was assumed that this plate was intended for the other daughter, but Knight had decided against it for some unknown reason. Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables. The pot was still warm, indicating that the cooking had happened sometime earlier in the morning. Sometime later, Knight had arranged the skinless body with the left arm draped over an empty two-and-a-half-liter soft drink bottle, with the legs crossed. What? Yep. 
she posed the body. Fuck. <clears throat> it was claimed in court to be an act of defilement demonstrating Knight's contempt for Price. Yeah, big time. Knight had left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of Price, blood stained and covered with small pieces of his flesh. It read, now this is a quote. I'm a normal, right. totally fine person. Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. Mm. You too, Beck, for Ross, for little John, which is his son. Now play with little John's dick, John Price, what? end quote, right? However, the accusations in the note were later found to be completely groundless. Okay. He was not a child molester. He didn't rape his, her daughter. Okay, good. These, there were other notes found in the house uh, written to the children, basically stating, if I can't have your father, nobody else will. Wow. At autopsy, nearly all of Price's body was accounted for. Not all. Almost. Except for? Nearly all. It was at this time that the coroner and police assumed that Knight had consumed the missing parts, although she never actually admitted to it. But those parts were gone. Mm. And... You know, they were delicate parts. They didn't evidently. go through her poop. No. They, she ate his dick. <clears throat> they didn't say what parts she they were. Dick. She must have. Yeah. They said they were delicate parts, but that's they'd never, I couldn't find out what parts were gone. Well, that's delicate part number one. Well, she did mention the dick. She totally ate his dick. In here, in the letter. She ate the dick. Now play with John's dick, John Price, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know either, but I'm certain she ate the dick. It didn't take long for the unfathomable news to spread. As the news story came across the television, Catherine's former sister-in-law, Sandy, There's Kathy. saw that an Aberdeen woman had murdered her husband. Sandy told her husband that her sister-in-law was the one who did it. She was right. Sandy's husband was skeptical, saying even though Sandy had shared so many stories over the years, he didn't think she was that crazy. He was wrong. Hours later, the news released the name of the woman, Catherine Knight, and none of the family was surprised. <laughs> The police had the terrible task of informing John Price's family. They spoke to his son, Jonathan, but no one knew how to tell 14-year-old Rebecca. Mm. She actually read the horrendous details in the fucking newspaper. No. Yep. Somebody had to step up and tell him. Right. She read about it in the paper. For the next six days, Catherine was at Musselbrook and Maitland's hospitals. She claimed to have no knowledge of the monstrous crime she had committed, but two things would lead to her undoing. Greed and the testimony from one that was closest to her. Detective Sergeant Bob Wells first interviewed Catherine at Maitland Hospital just a few days after the murder. Although she claimed to have no memory of the night of Price's death, she did remember stabbing him six months earlier. He pissed me off. Her story about that night was that he had been beating her and she grabbed the closest thing to her to defend herself, and it happened to be a kitchen knife. Her favorite kitchen knife. She turned to point the knife at him, and he was just standing too close. Whoopsie. And she stabbed him because she had gotten new glasses and didn't see very well. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so hearing about Catherine Knight can lead anyone to believe that she was the most evil woman in the world. However, when you see her... She's really very ordinary looking. She kind of looks like a librarian. Hmm. You know, she's got the glasses and she just, nothing special about her. She's kind of plain. She does seem kind of stupid though, too. Yeah. Well, you know. Just throwing that in the pie. When they showed the video of the crime scene to the court, it was said to be the most horrific video you would ever wish to see. I don't want it. It's just unimaginable what police saw that day. The skin looked like a wetsuit. Uh, it took a minute to process what it was. My bet. It was hanging on a butcher's hook, 
in the doorway, and it had all come off in one piece. Fucking hands, feet, what? All of it. The only thing that was missing was from the neck up because it was still attached to the skull. God damn. Perhaps the worst part of the video was when they went to the stove in the kitchen mm. and you see the gloved hand of a forensic policeman take the lid off the pot on top of the stove and inside it was John Price's head staring back oh, at the camera fuck. amidst potatoes and carrots. Just looking Just, up. ugh. Jeez. This display was Catherine showing her ultimate power. The lead detective, Bob Wells, suffered a nervous breakdown in relation to his involvement in this case. Mm. It was shown later that it had actually had a huge impact on the officers present that day. How could it not? Although Catherine had displayed this bizarre behavior and committed this absolutely shocking, horrific crime, the psychological testing would show later that she did not suffer from any kind of mental illness. What? There was nothing wrong with this woman. Okay. Further evidence to support she was of sound mind was discovered by John Price's attorney who noticed money had been withdrawn from Price's account the night he was killed. That doesn't make her sane. After Catherine skinned his body, she had driven a substantial distance to a bank where she withdrew $1,000 from John Price's bank account by using his debit card. And then after that, she returned to the crime scene. <laughs> Catherine told her brother three weeks earlier that she was going to kill Price, but she was going to do it in a way that made everyone think she was crazy. Her brother actually made a statement against her and told the police what she had told him and when. Mm. Catherine had stated they would never convict her. Wrong. Sheesh. Right. Okay, so she's not that stupid. Knight's initial but offer. Fucking out of her mind. Well, the fact that they didn't think that she's out of her mind, it's like, well, people don't do that. That are, yeah, well, you would think not. I doesn't think not. Catherine's initial offer to plead guilty to manslaughter was rejected, and she was arraigned on March 2nd, 2001, on the charge of murdering Price, to which she entered a plea of not guilty. Mm. Her trial was initially scheduled for the 23rd of July in 2001 but was adjourned due to her counsel's illness and was rescheduled for October 15th of 2001. So they pushed it out a bit. Mm -hmm. When the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury members the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence, which five had accepted. When the witness list was read out to the prospects, several more also dropped off, after which the jury was impaneled or enrolled, what they call enrolled. Knight's attorneys then spoke to the judge, who adjourned to the following day. The next morning, on October 18th, Knight changed her plea to guilty, and the jury was dismissed. Mm. It was then made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change the day before. He had adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if Knight understood the consequences of a guilty plea and was fit to make such a plea. Looking at this, you would think she's kind of not sane. I for sure think she's not sane. Knight's legal team had planned to defend Knight by claiming amnesia mm. and dissociation, mm. a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane. Come on. Two psychiatrists concluded that Knight suffered from borderline personality disorder. I'm sure lots of people have that that don't murder folk. No reason has ever been given for the guilty plea, and despite giving it, Knight still refused to accept responsibility for her actions. At the sentencing hearing, Knight's lawyers requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but the application was refused. They made her sit there 
and listen to it. Mm. When, Timoth- when Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation, evidently Knight became hysterical and had to be sedated, Whoa. even though she did it, right? On the 8th of November, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Knight's lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life imprisonment, refused to parole, and ordered that her documents be marked never to be released. Nice. The first time this had been imposed on a woman in Australian history. In June 2006, Knight appealed the life sentence, claiming that a penalty of life in prison without possibility of parole was too severe for the killing. Mm. Justices Peter McClellan, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeals in September, with Justice McClellan writing in his judgment, quote, This was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society, yeah. end quote. Agreed. Basically, all of Catherine's partners that survived... The victims of the pannings. They testified about her abuse. Sorry. These big, calloused, hardworking men broke down in tears on the stand when they spoke about her abuse. They were legitimate victims of domestic violence. Right. They were scarred physically. No matter how hard their outer shell, they were rattled by what Catherine had done to them, and they remained rattled four decades later. Mm. So could it be possible that Catherine Knight was sane when she committed this murder? I, I don't mean, think she was sane at any time in her life. Well, how it was c- just unfortunate roll of the genetic dice. Ugh, and, so, and that terrible dircher. Shit parents. Well, how could somebody in their right mind do something so deranged? Right. You know what I mean? That's just not part of it. That's <clears throat> not what a right mind does. Ugh. So, I mean, the skinning... <laughs> Uh, that's uh, uh you're yeah not, you're not even close oh, to a sane God. person if you're skinning a human being well the fact is that Catherine was not insane when she butchered john price i disagree she planned what she was doing insane psychos can make plans she knew right from wrong psychos suckle the teat of wrong and there were no voices telling her to kill him except for her own she stole money insane psychos still need money mainly for bulk mayonnaise and outfits for their dogs but still it was all about control for her hmm. and if you look at her history it built up to that right i mean she she was you know a psycho right never once sane yeah. but so she was she doesn't have to this day, she doesn't have a legitimate mental health diagnosis. Sure. Okay. She well, does not. That's, I she disagree. Has, she has what they <laughs> call. They know more than I do, I'm sure. A personality disorder. Right. Not a mental disorder. Okay. Remember, we had discussed that mm-hmm. a couple episodes back. Well, my ignorance, I'm sure, <clears throat> makes me sound just like a fool in well, this. But no, I, I understand what you're saying. Anybody who skins another human yep. can't be sane. Nope, nope, nope. But technically, technically, schmectically, a mental disorder sure. and a personality disorder are two different things. Oh, that's for sure. And I am a moron. And most people that fall in the mental health world are the nicest people. And, mm-hmm. and have, you know, mm-hmm. most sociopaths don't commit crimes. Most sociopaths don't hurt people. They might be dicks. But psychopaths are the ones that are, yeah. are worry, worrisome. And they're they're insane just by the wiring mm-hmm. in my mind. Well, Okay, this so person's been insane since day one. She was coldly lucid throughout the whole murder. Insane her whole life. I mean, she really was throughout the whole process. The dismemberment. And not only was she not in her right mind, she was having the best time of her life. That's insane. She walked out of that house with a big-ass grin on her face. Right. She thought what she did was cool. Most unheinous bro. So if she's not insane... It's not cool to, is to she, kill any people. No. Is she just bad? <laughs> oh, psychotic. Uh, she's some kind of evil monster, completely alien to the rest of us. 
You know what I mean? What I'm saying is that she's filtering reality Mm -hmm. through her own belief system, like we all do. uh, And that belief system is completely skewed from reality. Well, Catherine Knight's personality is best summed up with one word, and that is psychopath. Yeah. She's ruthless, self-serving. Doesn't like dogs. Incapable of feeling guilt and dangerous until the day she dies. Which we all hope is soon. Pretty much. Yep. So this story actually left me wondering about female psychopaths. Uh, and I did a bit of digging. Mm. Now, I found a bunch of shit that I found fascinating. But if I would have included in here, this would have been a two-hour episode. Right. So basically, here's the you know the nuts and bolts of it. Psychopaths exist across cultures and ethnic groups. And at an estimated frequency of about 1% of the population for males mm-hmm. and three-tenths to seven-tenths of the population for females. Okay. Now, there's a lot of information out there um, and traits and that sort of thing, but I decided not to include it for brevity, mm-hmm. even though this is already a long story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought that interesting. Three-tenths of a percent of the population to seven-tenths of a percent of the population for females can be considered psychopaths. Right. It's insane. Well, think about just the United States. So mm-hmm. just just take it 1% all across the board. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, there's 330 million people here. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at millions of psychopaths Ugh. running around. Doing psycho shit. That's well, just how it goes. And that's the end of my story. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, let's check out the dipshit meter. Okay. So how dangerous is this dipshit? <laughs> All right. So here we are looking at an absolutely terrible human being. <laughs> and when we did the the grading for this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, zero to five, five being, you know, in brutality, the most brutal possible thing, etc. It was Zach, incredible. Well, Zach didn't know this story. I had never heard it. No, nope. and, and when I and I was skeptical. It's like mm-hmm. one murder. That's yeah. You know, we've, he was like, "How is that possible?" Yeah, like, we oh, did, just wait. When we did Time Suck, it was like one murder. That's really not. Is mm-hmm. that can that even be an interesting two and a half hour suck? Sometimes it can, and Dan can make anything interesting. Mm-hmm. But this one was a fucking brutal. Yeah, I mean, there was several people that could have been killed by her. Oh yeah, for one. Yeah, but uh, they got away in time, kind of. In a weird way. Yeah. They, really they, es- well, <laughs> they tried to escape for a long time. All of them did. Yeah. Well, that one guy, I mean, going back after getting brained by a fucking mm-hmm. pan, having your skull crushed and being like, yeah, strike two. Well, evidently the sex was good. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, you know, sex is fun and stuff, but come on. Yeah. But beyond a certain level, your your life is worth more than the sex. Yeah. But maybe not. I, that's for me. That's for my brain. Other people's brains, maybe not. Yeah. I don't maybe know. these guys, this was the only. I don't get it. I didn't understand that whole aspect. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? It uh, doesn't matter how good the sex is if you die. Right. Well, I will, coming from a, an owner of a penis. Yeah. And really, I'm just a passenger to the penis. <laughs> Uh, that's basically your life. So I'm your passenger. Yeah, but there's a lot out there. You don't have to settle for maybe, this one. Maybe Aberdeen just didn't have that kind of, you know, maybe she was the Take a the bus one. if you can't drive. <laughs> Fair. Leave town for just a day. All right. So now let's do our meter. We've got brutality, cruelty, criminal mind, depravity, mm-hmm. and basically the body count is what we've added late, lately. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with brutality. I don't know how to get along with people well, do I? Very, very fucking brutal. (laughs) This woman was fucking brutal. Before she even got, I started in on people. Yeah. She was brutal to animals. Brutal. 
Having I fun mean, at a job that shouldn't be fun. No. You shouldn't enjoy that. No. And and for these other... You take abattoir, pride in your work, but you shouldn't enjoy it. Well, these other abattoir workers, they're all in the, they're in the business of killing and slaughtering. They know it's That's a tough job, but it has to be done for right. people to eat meat. Yes. And all of these people were afraid of her. Right. Because of the way she was reacting to it. She was going in and killing, not even killing. She was slaughtering animals before they were dead right cutting their throats just enjoying their screams taking body parts home yeah what right we gave her a 4.75 yeah higher than almost any of the other people we've covered for brutality because time after time after time she was very brutal yeah well she killed thousands and thousands of animals before she got to her first before she got to her people she put her baby on fucking she put the her, train tracks. Uh, yeah. And this is a person that's you would consider an expert with a knife. So when she's mm-hmm. stabbing somebody, she's like, I'm going for the kidney now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going for the lungs mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, there's potential for that. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about cruelty. Did the dipshit enjoy the hurting? Also fucking high. <laughs> Not as high as brutality, but she was a very cruel person. Yeah. 4.5. That's yeah. about as high as you can get. Mm-hmm. Well, she... Everything she did was for the thrill of it. Mm. That's that's why I gave her such a high score. Oh, and wanted to feed the children, her the parent, their, f- their uh, father. That I mean, I, I don't even know why we didn't give her a five. She because held it's so high. She but, held her baby under scalding hot water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, cruelty through the roof. Uh. That's why this person is so high. Criminal mind. Did this dipshit have any brains in its head? No, she wasn't a genius. No. But she was very, she was thinking about all of these crimes way before. Oh, yeah. Warning people, mm-hmm. testing it out, mm-hmm. seeing, you know, doing a trial run. I killed him. Yeah. Not killing Just him. seeing how things were going to go. She tried to set herself up for an insanity plea. Her downfall mm-hmm. was the money that she took out right. before or after she parted out her husband. Right. Somewhere, boyfriend. somewhere in that moment. Ugh. Um, and then telling her brother that she was going to do it and then she was going to make it look like she was crazy and she wouldn't be convicted. That's where her downfall was her ego and mm-hmm. her greed. But we didn't give her a super high one because she wasn't somewhere up there with Joseph Fritzl inv- investing years into creating no, an underground layer or whatever. But if, if this whole thing was an elaborate ruse to try and make her seem crazy and she did it on purpose Pretty and good. she's like, I know what I'll do. I know what I'm going to. I'm going to pretend to feed, but she ate. The thing is, she ate part of him. Right. So probably his dick. Yep. Yeah, probably Sounds like his dick. The delicate parts. We gave her a 3.0, oh. a 3.0 in the criminal mind. So she's really kind of middle of the road there. Mm-hmm. But she did do some thinking about it. Oh yeah. Uh, but she was just a piece of shit. It, it was. Mm-hmm. These were reactions, it seems, and then she just kind of justified her, her actions. Yeah. It was. A, she had massive control issues. Yeah. She really did. Yep. You do what I say. Yeah. You do what I want. She was a volatile. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a slave to her mind, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, is almost all nature. Huh? She she was born that way, and that was unfortunate yep. for her and everyone that knew her. That's why she was so happy on her 21st birthday because everyone did what she wanted. Right. Everyone followed her around. So that's she how you was deal a with princess that day. And people that that have raised psychopaths or, or that just have a you know oh, that's a hardcore person, they probably know that. When mm-hmm. you raise somebody, even a sociopath, when you raise them 
it's always got to be their idea. You never disagree with them or that's yeah, where the troubles happen. That's terrible. It's impossible to live your life. You that can't, way. right? You have to get away from them, which goes against what they want. Right. And then you have to deal with the consequences. So, so it, hard to deal with human beings. We are mm. fucking dumb. <laughs> we are. That's all right. But now let's talk depravity. Holy fuck. <laughs> How depraved was the dipshit? Very fucking high. <gasps> yep. I mean, if you eat people, yep. that's really what depravity is all about. Besides oh, yeah. coming on them. She didn't come on anyone, but no. she cut off a dick and ate it. That's now. We, again, we didn't give her a five. No. The reason why she doesn't get fives across the board for these things is because there's only one. There's only one. Yeah. And there was attempts <clears throat> at a couple others. Mm-hmm. So we don't know, but we can only give one. And we kind of have to give a little bit for the thousands and thousands of animals. Yeah. We get that the meat industry must exist and these people are doing mm-hmm. things that I'm sure the turnover rate is very well, high. What I found out was abattoirs. But she went too far. Well, abattoirs used to use the bolt method hmm. to um, I've seen kill, kill cows the cows and, and pigs, and, pigs yeah. and stuff. What they do now, I guess, uh, I think it was 2002 at least in Australia when it changed, mm-hmm. um, it changed over to an electrocution thing. Eesh. So it stops, evidently, it stops their heart as fast as possible nice. because um, fear and terror in the animals ruins the taste of the meat. Okay. That's what the abattoir guy was saying Yikes. Uh, in the articles that I was reading that the more fear an animal experiences the worse the meat tastes because it's flooded with this chemical that God, we're fucking twisted creatures I to know, our fellow earthlings. I know. So what they want ah. is good, sweet meat. So the faster you kill them, the less afraid they are, the happier they are when they die, the better they taste. We are evil Ugh. to our fellow earthlings. Ugh. Think about it. All like the creatures said, on earth, earthlings, right? We are kind of the dicks to all the earthlings. Oh, absolutely. I some agree. of the, some of the animals are a menace, a mosquito. A lot of animals are not friends of those, <laughs> but we are not friends to any of the other earthlings. Uh, you know, now now I think you probably understand why I said that this episode research almost turned me into a vegetarian. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost... And she saved you guys from 90%. Like, oh, there was a whole lot of stuff that God. was really... I'm glad I didn't, I didn't hear all I, of it. I, there's, there's a movie out there. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, about processing of animals. Right. And it That's was really popular. See, I never... What, was it I've called Earthling? It. Maybe. I don't know. Remember? That's probably where I got that fucking line from. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm sure it's well, from some silly I thing. I couldn't watch it because I can't. I mean, I can watch a movie, you know, where the lead person gets killed. Like That right. never bothers me. It's like, that's corn syrup. Hurt, and da, da, da. It does, I don't even have to think about those things. It's right. just a given. I don't care. Show me a dog die in a movie. I know. I can't do, yeah. handle it. Same. Even though I know it didn't really happen, I so, can't. It makes me sick. It ruins the movie. It's yeah. like, what a great movie, huh? It's like, yeah, but the dog dies. So guess right. who's never watching that movie again? Right, exactly. Me. Even on movies that I'm like, that's part of a, a franchise that I like. I'm yeah. going to say Riddick. I like Riddick a lot, even though people make fun of some of the Riddick. <laughs> I like Riddick. I like the idea of Riddick. Mm-hmm. There's one of the shows, one of the goddamn mm. dog, mm, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'll never watch it again. It's like, no, I had a bond with that animal and you ripped it away from me. Yeah. What are you trying to teach me a fucking lesson? Fuck you, Hollywood. Right. Fuck you, Vin Diesel. Fuck you, weird blue-eyed Riddick. <laughs> kind of went off there. But we're doing the dipshit meter, and we still haven't got to the number yet. It's 4.75. Right. Yeah. It's not a five, because again, only one person. Mm-hmm. But you can't get more No, she skinned the dude in all one, all in one piece, and then 
hung it in the doorway. Right. They thought it was a wetsuit. That's insane. I wonder, the, the thing I keep thinking about is like, did she try it on? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, they would oh probably fit. Oh, God. Although, I don't know. She, she was really tall She was tall a tall girl. woman. Yeah. I think, I don't know exactly how tall she was, but I think she was 5'10". But so she was, I mean, the point of that was to get to the meat. Is that... I, you could get to the meat without doing that. I don't know. She wanted to pose his skinless body. That is, and she did that all in like a night. Yeah, that was a quick. Like she knew she what was, she was doing she, though. She, she but she was, she doing. was. You know, she's bragging without actually mm-hmm. using words. She wanted people to see how awesome she was. Fuck. So fucking four, twisted. Four point seven five on depravity. Now we'll talk about what we're just gonna call. We're gonna just be honest with it. The body count. This noise is fucking awful. Ah. One point oh this mm-hmm. time, and it should be a point. Oh five or right. point five because it was only one person and that's right. our official scale. But but for the thousands of animals that she tortured before she yep. killed, mm-hmm. we're going to give it the half a point, even though that's ridiculous. It should be you know whatever. But it's meat. This we all eat meat. But, but the for thing is, this isn't a serial killer right. episode, so right. the body count doesn't this really matter. This is just a dipshit files for a psychopath. If she had killed a few other people, she would be. I mean, she'd be up there with Pedro Lopez. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the final score, you guys. 3.6 for this one. She killed one person. Mm -hmm. That's higher than Joseph Fritzl, Mm -hmm. who's a 2.85. We talked about Johnny Robinson recently. Mm -hmm. 3.3. She's higher than Ed fucking Kemper, Mm -hmm. who took heads off and fucked necks and shit. Mm -hmm. She's just that much more cruel, Mm -hmm. that much more brutal. Uh, she had a little bit more higher mind. She, well, she she had, was higher than Jeffrey Dahmer. Folks. She had 40 years of consistent cruelty. Yeah. At least. I mean, she essentially her cruelty started coming out at the age of four. Yeah. Is when they really started noticing it. Nobody paid attention because they were all abattoir workers. So when she was abusing animals, they didn't, you know, it's like, okay. Right. Nobody. They were concerned about it, but it's, you know, there's weird things to the job. I I'm don't sure. think, I don't think they were concerned. Really? Okay. Parents, her brothers parents and sisters. Weren't. They probably showed her stuff. Right. They probably took their frustrations Right, out and she was ways, being, yeah. I mean, father was raping her mother right. Right. every day, beating her, you know, and brothers were raping their sisters. So, I mean, that's just the way life was for her. Right. So she was raised in a hell and mm-hmm. lived inside a hell in her mind. Yeah. And this is the, it's lucky that she didn't kill any more people. Right. Her children included those Well, she kids. tried to kill, well, one baby, she put her on the railroad track and right. somebody saved her. And then another one she held under running water. You know there was more abuse in there. Oh, of course. Um, because the sister just happened, her sister-in-law just happened to come across her when she was living with her. Mm-hmm. And she only lived with them for like four months. Right. So All she that just, other time in between. Exactly. Was. Years. So a 3.6, she is number four out of the 12 people, mm-hmm. the 12 so dipshits that, that have killed someone or tortured someone. Uh, she is the fourth highest so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just behind Joachim Kroll, Pedro Lopez, and Albert Fish. Mm-hmm. And as far as ladies, she is the highest, and not by far, because Linda, Linda Hazard killed mm-hmm. you know, quite a few. Well, Linda Hazard was a cruel-ass bitch, too. Yeah, very much so. But what an interesting story. So that that gives us a 3.6. Very mm-hmm. high. Now let's talk about her notoriety. Have you heard of this dipshit? So as you guys know, we talk about notoriety before the trial, after they're caught, mm-hmm. and then the infamy that is continuous. Right. And so she's pretty low. Mm, as far as so. over, overall, she's a 0. 0.6. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knows who she is. Right. Before the trial, you gave her 1.0. Mm-hmm. Only a few families really knew what was going on. That, the that town small kind of, town. So, yeah. yeah. You know, but... 
evidently from what I understand about reading about this is is no one really took any interest in what was going on because it wasn't abnormal mm-hmm. um, except for when she started abusing her children that's when people started paying attention that's mm-hmm. when they wanted to press charges when she ran through town with an axe threatening to kill people right. you know yeah um, so but that that town knew about it but neighboring towns didn't right you know she was their problem in right. Aberdeen right so we gave her a 1.0 mm-hmm. very very low nobody really knew yeah after the trial when the details came out, huge deal mm-hmm. in, Australia. in Australia. And actually, really, the whole world heard about it. Mm-hmm. But it was a quick-lived kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, overall, we gave her a 2.5. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Australia, I think, still understands her name. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Name. Yep. I'm sure they probably all know who she yeah, is. I imagine so. But you guys can tell us. I know we have listeners there. You can tell mm-hmm. us what, what she means yeah, to you Yeah, let us know. Did Absolutely. you know about this woman? And uh, yeah, yeah. How, how infamous is she in Australia? Right. And so, yeah, we're coming from the American-centric mind. And so our last part of it is the infamy. And we give her Mm 1.5. And really, that's probably generous because never Yeah, here in the U.S., yeah. I mean, it takes Monique to research this. I stumbled across this woman in uh, a special research thing that I was doing on cannibalism. Mm. And uh, boy, do we have some good ones for you coming. Yeah, we got interesting, depraved creatures. Yeah, I came across her, gosh, I want to say four or five years ago. Maybe even, no, it was longer than that because it was in Fremont. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, but so there's, she's just not very popular. Mm-mm. And for a good reason. She's not a multi-murderer, so right. it's not that kind of huge threat to society. But Yeah, but the one the she story, did was a fucking doozy. Yeah, yeah. It's worth knowing about. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth knowing about. All right, now let's check out our conclusions. What do our dipshits think about this dipshit? What a bitch. <laughs> what a terrible human. There's not much more to say, really. I Mm-mm. mean, she was just... Awful. She anyone that Awful. came in her path, mm-hmm. she would destroy in yeah. some way. Those children that came along. Well, all mom, of the mates. Mom said it right on that wedding day. There's yeah. a screw loose with her. But her mom had a screw loose. Yeah, she went out and her she dad b- had a screw loose. Beat her son-in-law, yeah. or no, she strangled her son-in-law in the car in front of his own mother. Yeah, Ugh. that's a uh, good stuff. <laughs> So my conclusion is is that she was crazy from day one, mm. in the sense that you know crazy is such a basket term too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had psychopathy mm-hmm. from out of the gates. I think mm-hmm. that's how that shit works. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that you can do for children that have really sociopathy, I think there's nothing you can do. Do whatever they say and give them everything. No, they want. I mean, <laughs> well, but it is be nice. Like I think that's honestly, I am not a psychologist, but I think. I agree with what you're saying. And Be I, as kind as possible. I hear you. However, if you've got a psychopathic child, being kind is only going to get you so far. Right. Oh, I get it. 100%. Because they will. It's not going to. No. Fall off the deep end. I say they that. will. I say that because I do think that being cruel to a psychopath will make that psychopath. They're still going to be a psychopath, whether you're nice or cruel to them. I think it makes it just that much worse. It's showing examples of how to be cruel. Mm-hmm. It's like an education in cruelty. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah, well, but I don't think I don't you know. should be cruel to any living thing, of course whether not. they're psychopathic or not. Of course not. So, I agree with that, too. But, I mean... If you cross paths with a psychopath, you're fucked. Right. That is the long and the short of it. Don't yeah, make eye very... contact. <laughs> don't feed it. <laughs> right. Well, unless it's your child, then you must. Uh, it's tough. Imagine being... A parent in that situation. Mm, 
I can't. It's happening right now to three million, you know, or it's probably a million parents in the United States mm. are dealing with a child that they are very keenly aware of is some sort of psychopathic. Yeah. You know, narcissistic. Oh, that would be so. That would be so hard. It, oh wait, I get the. Hard. I get narcissism in a psychopath narcissist yeah narcissists seem to go mm-hmm. hand in hand with with psych with being sociopathy a psych- yeah it does or being a psycho really oh, a like psycho. it seems to me that not all narcissists are psychos but all psychos are narcissistic on some level that high but i don't know what i'm talking about and i certainly don't want to start you know pontificating things i don't know mm-hmm. about the the little that i've learned about it and from doing research on on serial killers for mm-hmm. time suck and in my own life and all those different things and for this uh it does seem like we don't know enough mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, absolutely. But the narcissism seems to come that where it gets dangerous narcissism because mm-hmm. narcissists tend to think of themselves as another species of person in general. Like they look down right. at the, the lower species that is the rest of us. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's what you get with psychopaths too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's why they're like, the laws don't apply to me. You peasants, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of vibe you get. So, I don't know where I'm going with that, but fucking watch out for your fucking kids. They just, <laughs> if you got one of them that's a psycho, just love them. Yep. Just do your best to love them and keep the knives away. And the lesson is be nice. <laughs> and the lesson is never try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. I'd say we have, we're going to tell you what's going to happen next week. It's going to be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a cannibal. Mm-hmm ish uh no i'm no. sorry next week is is not a cannibal no we've we've got a palate cleanser between cannibalistic natures right. with a serial killer okay, we have a serial killer but yes. we're not going to tell you who he is no i'm not going to say it is a male though it is a boy but we are not going to tell you who he's it is. a boy we'll tell you who it is when we fucking talk about it next yep. week and that's what we'll do or for you inside scoopers all of you scat well, cats we'll we'll probably tell you a little bit odds are this month is just going to be bad people true crime month Right. Because I have stories and a reason why I'm going in this this flow. And at the so. end of the month, we'll tell you why that is, because yeah. I don't even know why. I know I'll you find don't. out, too. <laughs> but so this has been our show. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, wife. Thank it's you. Been lovely. Thanks, Steve, in the booth for all the recording. Yep. Thank and, you, uh, Steve. Tim, our stupid intern. I know he did a few things. Uh, <laughs> Tim sucks. But big time. At least thanks. he didn't uncl- unplug the computer this time. Right. Or delete a file. Mm-hmm. Fucking Tim. Oh, I don't want to get in trouble for bullying when the last minute of our show. But <laughs> don't. Thank you guys to all the Inside Scoopers, Scat Cats, and Littermates in mm-hmm. our Litter Box and Patreon. If you guys want to support a podcast, you know how to do it. That's the way. The other mm-hmm. way to do it, punch a PayPal for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what, what do you think this is worth? A, co- a cup of coffee? <laughs> Are we worth a cup of coffee? I don't know. But also you can go to our website. There's lots of dipshit mm-hmm. merchandise there. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Scatcast.com. But thank you so much for listening. Yes. We'll talk to you in the future. It'll seem like the present. Thank you. Shit files. Bing, Bing bong. bong. <laughs>